college football talk as David Cohn, the co-host of Crane & Company with Jake Crane, joins Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan, a college quarterback at Michigan, a tall man that's on Twitter, at David Adam Cohn. Here's David with Bryant and Brett. David Cohn joins us now, and uh, we uh, we just lost Dave, so we're going to get him back on the line. Uh, but we're going to talk a lot of college football with David Cohn. It's National Signing Day today in college football. Excuse me, did I say basketball? We're going to talk a lot of college football with David Cohn. It's National Signing Day today, so a lot going on. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the transfer portal. We're going to talk um, a lot with David Cohn um, in a second when we get him on. I'm excited. We're going to talk uh, about this a little later in the show, about 5.30 during What's Trending. Um, Ryan Silverfield has had a tremendous day um, in terms of recruiting and also in the transfer portal, getting some big-time guys to uh, to commit to the Tigers. I think I saw earlier, uh, according to Rivals, Memphis has the twelfth ranked transfer portal class yes, right now. Right. So, right. Uh, so I don't know how that's changed since we've started the show. Um, I'll look at it later. But we're going to talk a lot of Tigers and what they've done um, a little bit later in the show. But we've got David now. Uh, David Cohn joins us now, the co-host of Crane and Company. David, thanks so much for joining us. First off, Happy National Signing Day. It's like a yes, uh, it is like a holiday around here. What has been kind of your biggest takeaway so far to day uh, in terms of national signing day oh well i just i rewatched uh, one of my favorite movies called the usual suspect you know with kevin stacy <laughs> yes. and benicio del toro and uh, that's the only phrase i could think about today as i sat there and i watched uh, georgia and alabama continue to be number one and still fight for for getting uh big time recruits to flip their commitments but mm-hmm. you know there's a reason that kirby smart and nick saban have had so much success in this sport i think uh when you look at what Auburn's doing, too, uh, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Uh, I, uh, you know, I've said for a while now, Hugh Freeze is the right guy for that job, despite sort of a, a disappointing end to this season, right? But with the, the, the age of the transfer portal, these coaches, they really don't get three full years anymore. You're lucky mm-hmm. to get two years. And uh, I think that he had a strong day today. Uh, they're going to continue uh, to keep positive momentum there on the plane. Uh, the question is going to be obviously all off season is you know who's going to throw the football to these guys yeah. and these playmakers that you're bringing in. Are you going to stand by Peyton Thorne, which it seems like they may, or is that Walker White kid going to develop, or maybe they still bring in a transfer portal guy? And then you know to see Florida State not overly affected. I know they were as high as three at some point today. I think before I got on here, they were sitting around six with the rankings. You know, mm-hmm. obviously being left out of a four-team playoff is going to hurt them in recruiting. I think it's going to hurt the majority of the schools in the ACC. Uh, these other conferences like the, the SEC are going to go around and say, hey, you know, I know we're going to a 12-team playoff, but you still see, I mean, you can go undefeated in that conference and, and, and not make it to the big time in college football. That's going to hurt them. But, you know, uh, as we sit here right now, they, they still are sitting at six. Um, despite uh, despite losing, I think the the KJ Bolden kid uh, had slipped. Mm-hmm. But you know, other than that, uh, the the usual suspect is what comes to mind, and um, we'll see how how these guys develop and, and pan out. And we'll see. Um, you know, I'm really interested to see which schools how they operate and use a mix of high school recruits and the transfer portal 
and how they build these programs um, from scratch, especially when you talk about guys like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss or Deion Sanders at Colorado who have relied heavily on the portal. You know, do we start to see more of like a college basketball approach where you, mm-hmm. you know, you bring in, you bring in a lot of guys like, uh, you know, these, these one, one year five star guys. How's that going to match up against teams that have been put together and yeah. been developing and building for several seasons? Uh, David, I, me and Brian were talking during the break because I tell them I love this time of the season. I, I really love everything about it. So I got a question. Where do you think, what team have been hitting the portal well, who have been hitting the recruitment well? What team have really have done all around the best job right now? Well, you know, look, like I like I just I pointed out a bunch of them uh, there already, and I think that you know you got to look at Texas too. Texas yeah. is doing an unbelievable mm-hmm. job, and also it's worth pointing out what Oregon has done because you know when they when they landed uh, Bo Nix and mm-hmm. Dan Lanning has built this thing like an SEC program out there, right? Like you're not the right. defensive coordinator for Kirby Smart without having that sort of mentality and that sort of blueprint. You land Bo Nix. You have an awesome year this year. Can't get over the Washington hump, right? That's what keeps you out of the college football playoff. Then you're able this year to go get Dylan Gabriel out of the portal, but still somehow have a top-five recruiting class. Um, you know, it, it seems like they're using the portal and they're using that high school approach. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, what these coaches, like a Dan Lanning at Oregon who's going to the Big Ten or Lincoln Riley who's at USC who's going to the Big Ten, are they going to continue to take – you know, these, these uh, transfer quarterbacks and sort of have them be the leaders of their team. Uh, we've seen Notre Dame is doing it back-to-back years mm-hmm. now with Sam Hartman and Riley Leonard. Or are you going to see more of these teams? Like, look at Alabama. I know they brought in a couple transfer guys this past year because mm-hmm. they didn't know who was going to play quarterback. And lo and behold, it's one of the guys who they've had on their roster for a while in yeah. Taylor Milrow who ends up being, what, sixth in the Heisman Trophy voting. And then they got another mm-hmm. big one today with the Julian Sane kid from California. So a lot of these schools are completely fine just um, developing their own talent. Well, David, you mentioned you were talking about uh, Auburn uh, earlier, and you're talking about the the quarterbacks in the transfer portal. And there's a lot still out there. In your opinion, is Peyton Thorne the guy at at Auburn, or do you think they go out and maybe try one of these maybe one year, couple year guys in the transfer portal? Well, obviously, this is the hot topic on our show mm-hmm. uh, on Crane and Company because Jake and Blaine they have such strong ties to Auburn with their father having coached there and yeah. was an All American there. Um, you know. Uh, Blaine continues to say no. Like, there's no way. We've seen a large enough sample size with Peyton Thorne. That's, that's not your guy. You cannot tie yourself to him if you're Hugh Freeze for another season. You only get a limited amount of time these days, especially with the transfer portal. You have to, you know, either, either start the young guy or go out and get a different quarterback. Um, so what Jake and I say is, yeah, like, we see all of the same things. We see flashes of brilliance from Peyton Thorne, and we see at other times it's like, hey, you're going you're gonna to really struggle down the stretch with yeah. how difficult some of these schedules are. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a believer in Hugh Freeze, especially mm. on the offensive side of the football. This is not like a defensive-minded head coach who's, who's just saying, who's just leaving the entire offense to, to a, a, an OC. I mean, this is the guy who was, you know, a, a spread offense innovator and who's done so many great things on the offensive side of the ball. So if he looks at what Peyton Thorne is able to do and says, 
It's the other ten guys where we need to get stronger and we need a better. Which look, he, you can always say that phrase, right? Like, I don't right. care if you have the best offensive line in college football. You can always say we need to get better there. There's always room to improve, but certainly Auburn has a lot of room to improve on the offensive line and at the skill positions, and that's going to make any quarterback look better, right? Like I always mm-hmm. want to play with the best guys possible. <laughs> at the same time, I think they're going to be in for a long haul if if Peyton Thorne's the guy every single game. But you know, Graham Mertz is a great example. Graham Mertz is a guy who I just I, I didn't see it when he was playing in the Big Ten when he was at Wisconsin. He okay. comes to Florida, has an unbelievable year. Even in that opening game that they played against Utah, I was looking at him and thinking, man, yeah, they lost the game. Yes, they had a losing season, but down the stretch, man, Graham Mertz really played some solid football. You can see why he's the starter. You can see why they, you know, Billy Napier brought him in. Maybe Peyton Thorne's just a year behind that and, and playing with, with um, you know, more elite guys on the outside and, and on the offensive line would help that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you got to look at what Hugh Freeze is doing and tip your cap and say, hey, he's off to a hot start at, at Auburn in terms of the recruiting. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, I'm curious when, you know, talking about National Signing Day today and, and recruiting really nowadays because of the transfer portal, I've noticed, you know, I remember – in high school and, yeah. and, you know, when I was younger, you know, getting up and on National Signing Day, which, you know, back then was in February, only one National Signing Day then, but you yeah. know, you'd get up and you'd have, you know, basically all day, they'd be going from one, you know, guy to the next and they'd have all the hats on the table and they'd be committing right there and right then and there on National Signing Day. And we don't see that as much uh, mm-hmm. today. I mean, what is the impact now on the transfer portal for these high school guys and JUCO guys as well, where really they need to go and, and commit as early as they can so they're not knocked out of a scholarship opportunity uh, because of the transfer portal. Well, 100%. We just had Tom Luganbill on our show yesterday making this very point. I mean, at any moment, any school can go and get the best player at your position in the country through the transfer portal. There's no more of this, you know, sit around and wait. I mean, to me, it's a good thing. This is one of the positive aspects of the transfer portal, which is still chaos. It still needs to be regulated. It's just insane. Like even if, even when you, I try and be critical of the NCAA. Anytime they do try and put some guardrails on and create some regulation, the, these you know these courts around the country uh, strike down whatever they do. So yes, the transfer portal needs a lot of improvement. But one positive aspect to it is. Yeah, I mean, what kids should have been doing, which is, you know, be grateful for the offers that you get. Yeah. Uh, consider your choices very carefully. You're making a four-year commitment. I don't care if you, you know, you may think you're just going for one year and then you just can hop from school to school to school and play at four different places and you're still going to go to the NFL and make millions of dollars. Look, I get it. We all thought we were the best at the game. But, you know, when I was doing it, and yes, there was only one of these in February, and you signed on a Tuesday, you know, I took that took the commitment that I made to Michigan very seriously. I had already signed well before we did whatever the the photo opportunity was. Mm-hmm. There was one hat up there. Let's get on with it. It's <laughs> time to get to work. So this whole idea, the circus that it has become at times, where hey, we're going to go up there with a bunch of different hats and we're going to fake people out, mm-hmm. and then not even the coaches are going to know. I mean, I've <laughs> never, I've never liked that aspect of this. Um, I don't care, you know, how much how entertaining it can be for some people, but you're seeing that less and less because yeah. a lot of these guys know, oh, man, at any moment, you know, that school could go get the best player in the country at my position through the portal. Uh, David, what what if you was a player in today's time dealing with the portal and different things of that nature, man, if you was a high school player, how would you approach today's landscape? Well, I don't think I would do a whole lot different from what I just said. 
And when you look at a situation, and look, I don't know all the details of what happened with, say, a Kyle McCord, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with the Buckeyes, and I don't know what Ryan Day is going to do. I don't know if they, if these coaches certainly they may be forcing more of these kids out. And look, Rich Rodriguez came in when I was a, when I was a sophomore at mm-hmm. Michigan. I came out, I committed to Michigan because I thought, hey, there's one school that's always going to be pro style offense. That's <laughs> the Tom Brady, Elvis Gerbach, yeah. Brian Greasy University. Immediately, I'm not on campus for 20 months, and we get Rich Rodriguez who's, you know, wanting a mobile quarterback, you know, uh, uh, no huddle, spread mm-hmm. offense type, a completely different system than me. I thought every single day about transferring. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people tried to convince me to transfer. I got calls from other coaches. That was at a time it was a little bit different where I wouldn't have had to sit out a year. Possibly that could have played a little bit more into my decision-making. Wow. But I wouldn't have been doing anything different. Because like I said, I went in with the mindset that this is for your commitment. <clears throat> And, you know, you, you also need to value the education that you're going to be getting. I, I, I don't. I, I thought I was going to the NFL, too, guys. I thought that I was going to be the best quarterback who mm-hmm. ever played. I'm going to make $100 million, all that kind of stuff. But still, I also knew, like, hey, you, know, you want to pick the best university that you can go to as well, get that degree, make those strong connections. But some of these guys um, who are leaving because they're being told, uh, hey, you're going to have to compete for the job. You know, like you take a Kyle McCord type guy who threw for 3,000 yards, went 11 and 1, only lost one game. If the conversation went something like, hey, you're going to have to compete with whoever we bring in in Columbus, we may bring in Cam Ward, we may bring in whoever, and that's what got him to commit, then that's a joke to me. I mean, yeah. look. I went in with the mindset that wherever I play football, whether it's in the league, whether it's in college, wherever, they're going to try and bring in the best possible guys. That's your job to beat them out, right? And mm-hmm. so I had people trying to convince me to decommit at the last second from Michigan because they knew that uh, they said, hey, look, Michigan's going to go after Ryan Mallett in the next class, and he's like 95% chance to go to Michigan. You're not going to want to be there. You're going to come here. I said, well, that's great. I mean, he can be my backup. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Now, is that is that how it worked out? No. Ryan, Ryan started over me even though he was younger, went on and had a great career at Arkansas, but mm-hmm. that was my mindset, and I wasn't going to back down from that at all. Right. Absolutely. We're talking to David Cohn, the co-host of Crane and Company. He joins us every week to talk college football. And, and speaking of quarterbacks and recruiting process, kind of the big story um, of the, the past couple of days has been um, the flip by Dylan Raiola from Georgia to Nebraska. What does this mean for Matt Rule really getting, I mean, a, a high-level quarterback to his program where, you know, this year is kind of up and down, not a great season for him in his first year at Nebraska. But what does this mean for that? program it's huge for matt rule it's huge for nebraska tremendous get for a program that has really struggled the past two decades but has sold out every home game for like 35 (laughs) or 45 years i still vividly remember nebraska coming down the stretch of that season when eric krauts won the heisman and they had to have all these things fall into place so that they could play miami in the national championship game i mean that was a lot of fun to watch I'm a little bit, I, I, I was a little bit too young to enjoy some of those mid 90s dynasties, which mm-hmm. a lot of people call the greatest football teams of all time. But still, this is a powerhouse program that has really, really struggled as of late, especially when you get a guy like Scott Frost, who was home, right? Like, like that's how yeah. I felt with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and Kirby Smart at, at Georgia. Like, these guys who have played for these institutions, you always want them to have the utmost success. That wasn't the case for Scott Frost. So, this is a huge get to get not only a player of this caliber and, and five-star and all those accolades, 
but a guy who has Nebraska ties, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you can show the rest of the country, like, hey, this guy's dad was an All-American here. His yep. uncle was on staff. I think he's coaching the offensive line, something mm-hmm. like that. You know, we, we land these guys. We're going to start to put up a gate around our state first before we go recruit the rest of the, the country. That's a huge get, and, and he's going to bring other recruits in with him. And all of that remains true, regardless if the kid ever even plays a snap. I don't right. care if he's ever as good as, as Eric Crouch or as Scott Frost was like that that's a huge get for them obviously georgia you know georgia's going to be just fine i'm sure that just opened up some nil money for them to flip the kj boldens of the world and mm-hmm. stuff like that something wasn't really smelling right for me that last week when i heard that kyle mccord and dylan Rayla were both going to go to nebraska that right. news had broken on the same day i said something about this isn't right mm-hmm. and i really started to fear that Nebraska was going to lose out on both of those guys, especially after we heard that Kyle McCord was going to uh, commit to Syracuse. But it looks like Dylan Rayola uh, has officially signed, so he's going to be at Nebraska. The only thing that would give me a little worry, and not for Nebraska fans, like I said, this is a huge get no matter, no matter if he ever plays or if he's ever great or not. But just from an outsider's perspective, when you start to look at the fact that the kid committed to the Buckeyes, then decommitted, then was, you know, entertaining the idea of going to Nebraska, but then ended up committing to Georgia and transferred and played high school football at Buford there in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And now he's decommitted again and going to Nebraska again. All of this idea of, you know, playing for three or four different high schools and committing to three or four different college teams. I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I don't respect that a lot of times unless it's for very specific reason or circumstances. Uh, that's one thing to consider, but I don't want the, the Nebraska fans shouldn't buy into that at all. Look, it's a huge get. Use this momentum. They're a proud program and hopefully for the rest of college football, we can see the rise of a strong Nebraska team. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Florida, Billy Napier, these past couple of seasons have not been what I think a lot of Florida fans had hoped they would be. He misses out on a bowl game this year. And I remember around that point, it kind of, a lot of people started talking about the hot seed and him kind of being out at Florida. But it seemed like every single time he could point back to recruiting classes. Look what I'm doing on the recruiting trail. Look at the guys we're bringing in. But today, and really these past couple of days, he's been losing some guys, some of these high-level prospects that have been committed to him for a while have been flipping um, and committing other places how long can billy napier rely on recruiting classes um to keep his job security safe oh well until the start of next season (laughs) i mean basically you know i mean they started the day at what eight i think they split it down to 16 um look billy napier is a really good football coach and i think billy napier is going to be a solid power five head coach maybe even the sec and hey who knows maybe even at florida Maybe yeah. maybe the powers that be at Florida will recognize this next season just how impossible of a schedule it is. Brandon Marcello came on our show today and called it a fire me schedule. So <laughs> down the str- I think it's the most difficult schedule yeah. in the country, especially when you look down the stretch and you're coming off of back-to-back losing seasons, one in which your quarterback, Anthony Richardson, went top four in the NFL draft. Now, look, I, I, I get it that you know, that was Billy's first year and, and he hadn't gotten his roster right and Anthony Richardson was drafted more off potential than off. I, I understand all that. I'm just saying from an optic standpoint, mm-hmm. you had a quarterback who went number four, right? Yeah. And then you, like like we talked about earlier, you bring in Graham Mertz, who was actually a great get in the porter. Billy read that right. 
got you know has has these weapons with Ricky Pearsall and and and, mm-hmm. and all of these guys, and still couldn't figure out a way to have at least a bowl season, right? Yeah. Like that's tough, especially at I mean we're talking about Nebraska having expectation, Florida, mm-hmm. you know, I mean this is a this is a program that expects to win the national championship, if not every year, every other year, and at least be vying for for SEC championships. So. You know, all of that momentum in recruiting leading up to the season obviously kind of got squashed a little bit by by having a losing record, and now you see him sliding uh, in the rankings here. But with all that being said, you're still putting together a top-20 class, right? I mean, mm-hmm. look, Washington's in the college football playoff right now. I think their average recruiting ranking was like 35 or something like that. So, look, Billy is a good football coach. He's going to have to figure out a way to not only win the games next year that he should, but win several that he shouldn't, and then also hope that uh, he gets you know on the lucky end of some of these these transfer portal guys mm-hmm. and, and recruit flips and stuff like that uh, as we move forward into the college football season, and then also hope that the, the the powers that be and the AD there at Florida understand you know kind of what's been happening with back to back years of what really have been uh, grueling schedules. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last thing for you, uh, David, we've had some really, I think, fun bowl games these past couple of days. Two days ago, we had the thriller Western Kentucky over Old Dominion. Yesterday, um, we got sons of, of former NFL quarterbacks dueling it out in UTSA versus Marshall. I'm a little disappointed um, that we're not getting a bowl game tonight on a Wednesday, but what have you thought of the bowl games to start the bowl season, and uh, are there any that you're really looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, look, I mean, the Bulls, I understand that they certainly have lost their luster, especially when, you know, with the introduction of the college football playoff, everyone else feels like they're not playing for anything serious, which I absolutely hate because, you know, I got to be a part of a Rose Bowl and a Citrus Bowl. I mean, those were two of the highlights of my my athletic career so i kind of i hate the way this is gone hopefully it'll be fixed a little bit with uh with a 12 team playoff as far as the bulls already you know i'm from statesboro georgia so i always keep very very Mm. close up with uh what georgia southern has done and you know to get a a coach of the caliber of clay helton was a huge get and this was year two for him but to lose was five games in a row down the stretch something like that i mean they lost every single game after the home win at paulson stadium against georgia state which was a great rivalry win and I think they broke the attendance record. That's the stadium I won a state championship in my senior year. To lose every game down the stretch after that, and then lose in the bowl game to Ohio, forty-one to twenty-one. You know that's a, a bit tough to. That's a, a, a tough pill to swallow. Uh, I, I hope that everyone there is patient with Clay Helton. Though we and t- like we talked about, you know, it's back-to-back years of getting a guy to transfer in at quarterback mm-hmm. um, and it worked better with Kyle Van Treese than it has with, with Davis Brand. But, um, you know, we got to figure out a way to, to put somebody in at center or behind center that um, is not going to turn the football over. That's still a key, uh, you know, still a key element to the game. In terms of uh, games coming up this week, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in this Utah-Northwestern game, to be honest oh, yeah. with you. I mean, the job that has been done at Northwestern. I mean, not just to go seven and five, that's already huh. kind of tough at Northwestern, but following up a one win year, when your head coach gets fired under the circumstance that it was, like you go seven and five, and then, you know, Utah eight and four, back to back conference winners before this season, 
Cam Rising doesn't even step foot on the field, and he's announced he's going to come back. I'm seeing. I'm going to see. You know, who's motivated to really to go out and play in this game because it could be a springboard uh, for these teams into next season. Yeah, no, that one's going to be a really fun one uh, Saturday night about six thirty. But David, thanks so much for joining us. I always enjoy our conversations on Wednesdays, uh, and obviously Monday being Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Enjoy the holidays, uh, and we'll do it again next Wednesday. Hey, Merry Christmas to you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, David. David Cohn, he joins us every single Wednesday from Crane and Company. Go over uh, and check out their show. Uh, you can find it on YouTube every single morning. They do a great job over there. Um, I watched a little bit. Um, most of their show today, they were talking a lot about National Signing Day, a lot about Transfer Portal, a lot of really, really good information um, from them. And, and his co-host, Jake Crane, he's on with mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Radio every Monday. Um, so some Familiar voices if you listen to Sports 56 um, uh, most of the day. You'll hear a lot of familiar voices on Crane and Company. But let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we're going to take an early look at some of these lines, some of these games for the weekend in the NFL and the bowl season. That's next on Sports Time. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 a.m. And 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Well, it's a busy, busy weekend in uh, really football. NFL, it's a busy weekend. We've got a handful of bowl games on Saturday. So we've got to take an early look at some of these lines, something we like to do uh, every week uh, on a Wednesday after we talk to David Cohn. Just take an early look um, at what we've got. We do have a text message coming in uh, from our conversation with David Cohn talking about quarterback. I asked him because he brought up a, an interesting point. I never watched Auburn last year and thought uh, Robbie Ashford, Bob Ashford, or Peyton Thorne were the quarterbacks of the future for Auburn. Yeah. Now I thought David Cohn made a good point about, you know, he's whatever. We got a text message come in. Uh, he's right. I can emphatically say that uh, Hugh believes Peyton is capable of more than he has shown and wasn't spending $1.5 to $2 million on a quarterback when he felt like if he improved the wide receiver room and other positions um, of need, they would be better. And that's a great point. That because is. when that you is. watched Auburn football last year, wasn't the quarterback that was the biggest issue? It was the people around Didn't him. have a great offensive line. Yep. Didn't have weapons, you know, wide receivers. They had a great running back. Yeah. Uh, oh, but, that's a big thing for a, a quarterback as well. Mm-hmm. They, they need a guy to throw to. Right. Man. And so, uh, you know, I, I definitely agree with this. I think Peyton Thorne is capable enough that you can build around him. And you, can. And you know Hugh Freeze is going to be great at recruiting and bringing in talent and so uh, you know if you can get some guys around him you can bring in some quarterbacks bring in some weapons uh, maybe sure up that offensive line then Peyton Thorne 
might be a bargain get for uh, for the quarterback position. Yeah, so. yeah, it can be a bargain for sure. But but I do agree, Brian. They need a see. Once you get a quarterback, you just need to build around them. They need to get yeah. a they need to get a number one receiver, and they just need to get a girls offensive line and just slowly just build mm-hmm. that thing up, man. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Auburn can be next year um, with what they're doing under Hugh Freeze. I think uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, keep those texts coming in. We we're, uh, we're talking Tiger basketball talking Grizzlies, we're talking National Sign Day, we're talking a lot, so um, keep those texts rolling in. Let me set up this weekend's schedule for anybody listening. It's uh, Christmas weekend. Uh, yes, I know a lot is. of people are going to be out and about going to Christmas parties, um, You know, getting ready for Christmas, um, and we are going to have... Um, all NFL coverage over the weekend. I should remind you, tomorrow night, uh, Saints at Rams, 6.30 p.m. is when we'll start coverage pregame of that game. That game will kick off about 7.15. On Saturday, uh, we're carrying Ole Miss versus Miss, uh, Southern Miss, excuse me, Ole Miss versus Southern Miss basketball, 12.30 pregame for a 1 p.m. tip in that one. But then after that, we've got Bengals at Steelers at 3.30 p.m., Bills at Chargers, which a lot of people, listen up, Bills, Chargers, you can listen to right here because Johnny, do you know where that game is going to be shown? It's going to be shown here, right? On Peacock. Well, I'm on talking Pe- about TV. I'm oh, talking oh, about, like, okay. To watch it, okay, not listen okay. to it. Watch it. It's only on Peacock, which is a streaming service. So, yeah, I- for a lot of people that maybe don't have Peacock, they don't want to just go out there and just buy it for this game or something. Um, tune in because we're going to have uh, Bills at Chargers 7 p.m. on Saturday. Sunday, we've got a triple header: Browns at Texans at noon, Jaguars at Buccaneers at three, Patriots at Broncos at seven. That's Christmas Eve for. Yeah, Monday, Christmas Day, we've got a triple header of NFL football. Raiders at Chiefs at noon, Giants at Eagles at three, and the big game of the weekend, Ravens at 49ers. Ooh, that's going to be a great that, game. That's going to be that's a gonna really be a great fun game. game. Uh, 7 p.m., you can listen to all of those games right here on Sports 56. We've got all the coverage of the NFL. With that being said, let's look at some of these lines for the weekend, and let's start in the NFL. Okay. Tomorrow night's game, L.A. Rams versus the New Orleans Saints. Easton Stick getting the start really? for the Rams. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, that's the Chargers. Yeah, that's the Chargers. I'm, I'm, I'm about to say, I'm, really? I'm, I'm, I'm tripping. <laughs> I get my L.A. teams. Rams are all healthy. They're not starting anybody close to, to, to Easton Stick. Um, they're a four-point favorite at home tomorrow. The total sitting about 46. This is an important game, really, for both teams. Um, and I think it's going to be a fun Thursday night game. We'll see. Uh, if the Rams can protect um, that home field and pick up a win on Saturday, the triple header right now, the Bengals, a two point favorite on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really? Okay. <sighs> I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one either. I do not know about that one. I don't know. <laughs> one thing I've learned about the Steelers. Come on, Brian. <laughs> is you never go against them when they're a home dog. I, I just Bad feel, decision. I just feel like during this time of the year, this is normally when the Steelers start picking it up as well. So like, mm-hmm. so I, I had to go with the Steelers. Well, on that. well, that's what happened last year, and I believe me, a home game against Mike Tomlin. Uh, excuse me, a home dog with Mike Tomlin as an underdog. Uh, no, thank you. No, thank um, you. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, this is what happened with the Steelers last year. Is, it is. Is they start off really slow, you know, really bad, and then late in the season they were beating teams that you were like, wow, they have no business beating this team. They shouldn't be in this game. So, you know, I could see I had one of my buddies texted me yesterday um, and was like, dude, 
the Bengals are a two point, two and a half point favorite on the road in Pittsburgh. It's like you're kidding. He goes, and they're starting Jake Browning. I go, Jake Browning's been good. He goes, he's, he's been good. But he, yeah. on the road against the Steelers, it's an auto play. We've got to play it. And so he and this friend of mine, uh, I, Johnny, I am. I like to I like to sports bet. You um, you you watch not it, just like watch it, but, watch it. But but you love to sports bet. I do love to sports bet. Um, Have you called the number? I don't need the number. <laughs> um, and so, but this this friend of mine knows that I will wait till the very last second to put a bet in. Really? Like there is no you know I John John Harden comes in all the time and on like a Monday he'll be like, all right, I'm putting in this bet for Saturday's game. I'm putting in this bet for Sunday's game. I can't do that. I think because I don't I don't gamble enough yeah. to just be able to like set aside money for like further in the weekend because I don't have that much money in my account because I'm not betting that much money and mm-hmm. so uh, so I never like I never do that and so he was like you have to you've got to bet this right now because he knows I'll wait and then I'll look up on Sunday and the Steelers will be like a one point favor or something like that and then all the value's gone or something he's like you got to bet it right now because there have been multiple times I've gotten done with a show or you know, something, and I'll be like, oh, this game is, you know, I was going to bet on this game, but it already started. And he's yeah. like, why didn't you bet on that yeah. game earlier? And wh- whatever. But um, Pittsburgh, I think, I think there's a lot of value on Pittsburgh. It's a lot of value. Um, at home against the Bengals. The second game on Saturday, uh, the Buffalo Bills coming off a big win, a they massive are. win over the Cowboys. They're an 11 and a half point favorite on the road. Um, that total sitting at 44 Here's where Easton Stick is starting for the for the Chargers. Yeah. Um, that game on Peacock, big line though on the road, eleven and a half points is a lot of points. But that Chargers team just doesn't look like you know they they just fired Brandon Staley. Yeah. So I mean it's it's looking like the season is is over. For, it, the season's uh, over for, for the Chargers. They're gone fishing. I like that. I like that. They've gone fishing. Uh, On Sunday, uh, the Lions, three and a half point favorites on the road against the Vikings. That's the first, uh, that's the first of many games on Sunday because regular Sunday, even though it's going to be a shorter, uh, a limited slate because of all of the other games we have. Uh, Another game that sticks out to me on Sunday, the afternoon game, uh, Miami Dolphins, a one and a half point favorite at home against the Dallas Cowboys. That total sitting at 50 points. That might be the highest total of the weekend. 50 points. I would think so. Let's see. Going to Monday. By far the biggest total. The closest is 47. So, so a big total. Dallas versus Miami. That's going to be a good game. It's going to be a really good game. That's going to be a real good game. I get worried about the Cowboys on the road. I am too, but I feel like I know you've been, I know you're a big Cowboys fan, but you know Jerry Jones. He's very confident in the Cowboys this morning. He was talking about how the morale is still there mm-hmm. despite the loss. But, like, he's been very confident with them. Yeah, no, he, he really has been. And so maybe, you know, they bounce back this weekend. I can see them bouncing back. I, 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 I would can. hope so. I can. Um, the big game of the weekend, though, is Monday night, 7 o'clock. Baltimore Ravens uh, in San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Right now, 49ers a five-point favorite at home. That total sitting at 47. Um that's gonna be a good game. It's the uh, it's that, that night game, that that primetime game on uh, on Christmas Monday. I'm excited about that one. I, I love that game, man. We really going to see is is the Ravens the best team in, in the AFC? Yeah, we gonna have an opportunity to see because 
man, on, on the road mm-hmm. in San Francisco, that's that's the game I'm looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, no, that's going to be a fun game. Quickly, uh, over to college football over the weekend. Tomorrow night, uh, Syracuse, a three-point favorite at home against South Florida. Remember, we're going to pick all of these games. We're picking every single bowl game. Um, so we'll pick this one tomorrow, 7 p.m. Uh, Syracuse, a three-point favorite over USF on Friday, um, a 5.30 first kick, uh, Georgia Tech and UCF. UCF, a five-and-a-half point favorite, total sitting at 68. But a couple of the games I'm really looking forward to on Saturday, um, you mentioned earlier Air Force and James Madison mm-hmm. is an intriguing game right now. James Madison only a one-and-a-half point favorite over really? Air Force. And remember, Air Force um, was a really good team this year, was in the top 25, you know, I think um, topped at like 13, uh, maybe 14. Um, so a really good Air Force team. Um, but uh, but that should be a good game against Air Force and um, James Madison. But David Cohn, um, we were just talking to him in our last segment, and he pointed out, and I actually had it written down as a question I wanted to ask David because it has been remarkable what happened this year at Northwestern. It was. Um, this is a program that won one game last year. Mm-hmm. And then we all remember what happened in the summer with the hazing and, and all of that that led to their um, coach getting fired and, and a lot of their players deciding to leave the program. And so it looked like a terrible situation. I remember before the season, me and Brett were talking about it. Yeah, I think a lot of people around the country were talking about this team could win zero games this year. They yeah. go out first game of There's the season, I think, was against Rutgers and looked really bad. And everyone was like, yep, here we go. You know, I think zero it was wins. Rutgers as well. I think it was. Um, but the fact that they were able to bounce back this year, go 7-5 and five this season, and now they're in the Las Vegas Bowl against Utah. Uh, David Braun, who they promoted and made head coach, uh, has done an unbelievable job this season. Yeah, he and uh, I, I, I understand there's... There's probably still somewhat of a dark cloud over that program because of the things that came out about what was happening and, and different stuff. And obviously, um, you don't want that in, in any sport, um, you, you know, no, hazing you or, or, or anything like that. And I think the correct, you know, what the steps that they went through and, and you know, firing coaches and, and getting people out of that program were, were the you know, it was the right thing to do, but the fact that they were able to bounce back this year, go seven and five, um, finish second. I understand um, not a great uh, Big Ten West, but to be able to finish second in the Big Ten West with a seven and five record, they go out, win four of their last, uh, you know, excuse me, three of their, you know, four of their last five games, beat Maryland, um, beat Wisconsin, beat Purdue, beat Illinois. Their only loss was a 10 seven loss against Iowa. So a game sure. they were right there um, in. And so, uh, you know, I thought a really, really good season for them. They'll play on Saturday against Utah. Right now, uh, Utah a six and a half point favorite. Um, and I'm sure being in Las Vegas, Utah will travel they really will. well. They'll have a, a lot of fans there and it'll be a good environment for them. Um, Coastal Carolina also played on Coastal Carolina, kind of a favorite for a lot of people, uh, being, you know, the, the kind of mid-major team that's been, you know, uh, they've upset a couple teams. Yes, they have. You know, whatever, they're a fun team to watch. Grayson McCall was a great quarterback for the them. past but, three years. They've really been good. Yeah, but Grayson McCall, he's left. So right now they're um, going up against San Jose State in their bowl game. They're a ten and a half point dog 
It's a big really? line for a bowl game. I mean, that's a lot of points. I know there's okay. some other really big lines, but whew, that seems like uh, a lot of points. The other biggest line I saw over the weekend, uh, South Alabama, um, which you know a couple, yeah, uh, a couple guys at South Alabama. Uh, they're a 17-point favorite in their bowl game against uh, Eastern Michigan. 17 point 17 point. So imagine that, Johnny. We're going to pick that game. That's a Saturday game. We're going to pick that one on Friday during Friday football forecast. Whoa. Imagine picking a bowl game at 17 and a half because we, you know, we don't push, Johnny. We, we, we play the hook. So it'd be 17 and a half. 17 and a half is a, is a number. It's a lot. That's a lot of points, but it's going to be fun. I, I, I'm still, you know, a little upset, disappointed that we're not getting a bowl game, uh, tonight. But uh, we'll, we'll be back tomorrow night. Syracuse and, and USF should be a lot of fun to watch. But let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Well, my big number today, Johnny, I think you're going to like. Yeah. I think you're going to like it. My big number today is the number 30. Okay. Three okay. Last night, John Morant was incredible. Okay. It was unbelievable. What a game. John Morant is the second player since 2024-2025 to score more than 30 points and hit a game-winning buzzer beater in his first game of the season. Note this from Optistat. So they put a note at the bottom. Note, buzzer beaters are field goals, attempts, uh, in last two seconds where no event took place after attempt except for an and one. Bro. Do you know the other player to have 30 points and hit a game-winning buzzer beater in his first game of the, in- of the, of the season since 2024-25 season? Mm, I would say, is he an all-time great player? He is an all-time great player. LeBron? Can't give you hints. No, it's not LeBron. Kobe? Uh, It is Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is the other player. 33 points and hit a buzzer beater in overtime in his Lakers' first game of the season in 2025. Excuse me, 2005-06 season. Phenomenal, Bryant. John Morant in the ballpark, uh, in the same category of a big number as the great Kobe Bryant. Man, that is amazing, man. Brian, you said my big number earlier, man. But I what just, was it? I'm sorry I stole it. What was your big number? It was three, man. Four? You, for the Memphis Tigers, man. Back-to-back-to-back to back to back wins over top 25 teams? Yes, it was. Wow, since 2008, man. And, bro, that's just phenomenal. Isn't that crazy, though? Not only the fact that it first time it's happened since 2008. Forget yeah. that, because that was in the NCAA tournament. If you make it that far, of course you're going to play 
teams ranked in the top 25. That's, that's true, Brian. But the fact that it's the first time ever in program history, I saw that Jason Munns tweeted that last night, that they've done it in a regular season is, is unbelievable. It is, man. It just... Man, it just comes to show how different and special this Memphis Tiger yeah. team can be. And, man, I, I'm telling you right now, Brian, I, I can see this Memphis Tiger team being the top 15 team. Man. Oh, yeah. In the nation. I think you take care of Vanderbilt, who we're going to, in our next segment uh, at 5 o'clock, we're going to talk to Kevin Sweeney. We'll ask him about Vanderbilt. Um, but you handle Vanderbilt on Saturday. I don't think there's a question you're a top 15 team For sure. next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be surprised. And I, I'm I'm the same person. I'm not saying this as somebody who's just saying, oh, Tigers need to be ranked. Tigers need to be tied. Tigers need to be high. You're very objective. You uh, are. Johnny, I, I, when they missed out on the top 25 last week and everyone was saying they needed to be in the top 25, I was saying I was fine with them not being in the top 25. Yeah. Um, last week was the first week I was like, yeah, they 100% should be in the top 25 right now. And I was saying it before, the week before I thought they would be in the top 25. Mm. Earlier, um, after Maui, I thought there was a chance they'd be in the top 25. But I wasn't going crazy over it because I was like, okay, it makes sense. I, I, understandable. I I think this team is a, is a top 15 team. We'll ask Kevin what he thinks. Um, I think they're a top fifteen team, and I think I think if they handle business on Saturday, I think I think the the polls will reflect it. On I'm guessing we'll get an AP poll on Monday with Christmas landing on Monday. I don't know if they'll know. do it we, on Sunday or, or Tuesday. I don't know how it will work or if they'll. I mean, I think most of them already submit it. They probably already did submit Monday. it before Monday. They, they just announced it on Monday, so I don't know how it will work. Uh, but uh, do you have another big number? Uh, Bryant, I do not. I do not have another one. That's okay. I'm sorry I stole yours earlier. I was. Hey, when you said that, I said, man, this this man Brian like an encyclopedia, man. This man know it all. It's okay. I I apologize. (laughs) But uh, before we get to a break, uh, I know a lot of people. We talked earlier. I mean, bowl games going on right now. NBA. uh, You've also NFL. You've got the great slate of college basketball games tonight. I know you're looking for a place uh, to get out and watch these games. I've got the spot for you. It's Bell Tavern, located at 117 Barbaro Alley, right behind 117 Prime. Open from 4 to 11 Wednesday through Saturday and 4 to 8 on Sundays. Look, I know nobody likes a loud bar where you can't hear yourself think, much less talk, but that's the opposite of Bell Tavern. It's not even a sports bar. When you think of a sports bar, that is not Bell Tavern. Bell Tavern is a a bar that you can go, a quiet bar that you can enjoy a game at with your friends. Head over there, get a gourmet burger or, or one of their great cocktails. And it's not just the burgers. Bell Tavern has the best bar food in Memphis and the coldest beer in the city. You know 117 Prime. Just walk through their dining room and you're at the best bar in town. For more information about our friends at Bell Tavern, call them 901-249-6580. That's 901-249-6580. Go to their website, Bell Tavern. Enjoy a night out at Bell Tavern. Let's go ahead and wrap up this hour, get to a break, and when we come back to start our third and final hour, we're talking college basketball with Kevin Sweeney. 